Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley with the Collector Car Podcast, the official podcast of RM Sotheby's. I hope all of you are doing well. And before we get to the guys at the Auto Car Club, I do want to review some results from Arizona. Now, if you would like a little bit more in-depth with more than just my perspective, <laughs> go to the Auto Car Club's podcast where they interviewed me like the day right after the auction. It's called Fuel for Thought, so it's a really great podcast. Great name. Love that title. Anyways, uh, let's see. What do we want to talk about? Thank you for joining my second live stream event where I kicked off Collector Car Fantasy Football last week. That was a ton of fun, and please join in on the fun by going to thecollectorcarpodcast.com. You can download the rules as well as a form to fill out and just email it to me, Greg at the Collector Car Podcast or G Stanley at RM Sotheby's, and I will be sure to get you included. And be sure to stay tuned. I believe it is February the 22nd, around 1 p.m. Eastern. We will have a live stream with McKeel Haggerty from obviously from Haggerty Insurance. And we will have Kenneth on, the president of RM Sotheby's, on as well. And McKeel will pick the top 10 cars for his ultimate garage. So if he only had 10 spots in his garage, what would he pick? I'm sure that will be quite interesting to see what he picks. And then in March, we're going to have Wayne Carini on, which will be a lot of fun and exciting. And I'm launching a couple new kind of quote-unquote series, Cars to Watch. I'm going to review analog supercars here shortly. And then I do want your cars to review, so be sure to send them in to me the next episode of Your Cars, Your Podcast I believe that's coming up in April. Now, I will be live streaming at select Concours events, including the Cincinnati Concourse Elegance, Dayton Concourse Elegance, the Sand Hills Motoring Festival in Pinehurst, North Carolina, and I believe Concourse of America in Detroit. So a lot of fun stuff going on there. Now, let's get to some of the results from the Arizona auction. So this is a great temperature gauge on how the collector car world is doing overall. There were a lot less cars available in Arizona because Bear Jackson moved until March. And I believe even Meekum and Cruz did not do one this year. So a lot fewer cars were available because there were fewer auction houses out there selling cars. Now for RM Sotheby's, it was a smashing success. A 90% sell-through rate, which was higher than last year. I want to say last year was about 84%. And 10% more in dollar sales. I think last year was around $30, $31 million. This year was around $35 million. Now the top sellers, you know, this is where we get into the high dollar cars. A 1955 Jaguar D-Type sold $6 million. A Bugatti Type 57 SC 1937 sold for over $4.5 million. A McLaren Speedtail sold. That was the first one offered at public auction. And then a 1954 Ferrari 375 American Coupe sold as well. I'd like to call out a few notable trends here. It's a small sample size, but I do believe there were a few things occurring that speak to the overall market as a whole. Now, one of these cars is a 1998 Roof 993. If you go back to 
A few episodes ago, I interviewed the owner of this car and got a great deep dive in the history on the car and roof. Uh, this one was estimated between 570, I'm sorry, between 525 and 575, and it sold for almost $700,000, actually over $700,000 when you factor in the buyer's premium. It was one of only 14 built this way, and I think one of only four manuals, maybe. A super special, cool car that people really jumped after uh, when it came up for sale. The other thing I noticed is we had two ESO Griffos, and they seemed to be soft. So typically these sell for in the $450,000 to $500,000 range, and both of them were significantly below $400,000. I want to say one was around three thirty dollars to three forty, dollars and the other one was around three eighty dollars or so. A future collectible I like to talk about, and I mentioned this after Elkhart, was the 2011 Tesla Roadster, which I don't get at all. I'm just calling the trends as I see them, not necessarily as I believe them or support them. But this is just a used car, 2011 Tesla Roadster. Now, if you remember at Elkhart, the estimate, I want to say it was like sixty dollars to $80,000, which seems pretty strong. But that car only had, I don't know, 3,300 miles on it or so. And it rang the bell at well over, I think it was $120,000. So it was like double low estimate. Now, this particular car had more miles. I think it had 14,000 miles. And the estimate was $90,000 to $110,000. And the hammer struck at $100,000, right in the dead center of the estimate. So at Elkhart, the estimates were behind the curve. Uh, so it sold super strong. And now at Scottsdale, it was right on the money. So why is this car a collectible, you might be wondering? <laughs> Well, a couple reasons. First off, it's technology that disrupted the entire industry. So you're looking at a first-generation Tesla Roadster with semi-low miles, and it's a little tiny sports car. So keep your eyes on those. I think they're overinflated. I mean, this is only two data points on selling results, uh, but they're both really, really strong. Now, the other thing I want to deep dive into into a future episode are the analog supercars. So these are the cars that came before, let's say, 2007, 2008, 2009, when they were still analog. Now this one really rang the bell, the 2000 Ferrari 550 Marinello. The estimate was $150,000 to $200,000. It sold for $230,000. It only had about 6,000 miles on it and it was a beautiful red. And then a 2001 Ferrari 550 Barchetta, same car but convertible version, rang the bell at $300,000. Now those are interesting because it's the low mileage, the stick shift, and the analog aspect of these supercars that people are really going after. Uh, if you look at the price guides, a 550 Marinello 6-speed with 6,000 miles is $150,000 all day, yet this one, this one sold for $230,000. I think this is a trend that will continue, and I think you will see that happen with the Porsche Carrera GTs. They are already super expensive, and I think they are only going to go higher. Now, the other trend here was the homologation cars. So these are the cars from the 90s that were specced out from the factory so that they can compete in Group B racing. And all of these overachieved their targets. The 1995 Lancia Delta Evo 2 was estimated $90,000 to $100,000. I'm sorry, $90,000 to $110,000. And it sold for almost $120,000 before buyer's premium. The 1990 Mercedes 190 Evo 2 estimate was one seventy-five to two twenty-five. dollars overshot it achieving 240 before buyer's premium. And then the 1990 BMW M3 Sport Evo estimate was 125 to 150 and came in at 190. So super, super strong on those three cars. 
And then the other trend I would say are the instant collectibles. So these are the supercars that people would pay a million dollars for and sell them, flip them immediately for $1.3, $1.4 million. I think we're seeing a glut of these supercars in the market and they're no longer brand new. They're no longer special because there's a lot of them out there. And now I'll give you an example here. The All of these are 2019 cars. The McLaren Senna sold for around a million dollars. The estimate was one to 1.3. So that was actually under sticker price because I believe it had about $300,000 in options. The Ford GT Lightweight, which was a really cool car, estimate was 900 to 1.2 million and it sold for 875. And that is a rare one. I mean, when the Ford GTs first came out, they paid, you know, the owner paid 650 grand and they were selling them for 1.2 million. So you had $600,000 worth of profit. Now your profit is more like $100,000. Now the Koenigsegg Regera did not sell at $2.45 million, and the estimate was $2.6 to $2.9 million. So I think the days, at least for a little while, of a supercar coming out and being an instant collectible will still happen. I just don't think the profit margins are as much as they used to be. Now before we join the guys from the Auto Car Club, one last thing I'd like to call out are the biggest surprises of the auction. These were the three cars that kind of blew me away. What's interesting is all three of these seat four people. They're not two-door sports cars. Two of the cars are actually four doors. Think about that for a second. All right, so the ones that really surprised me, 1957 Cadillac Eldorado Brome. The estimate was eighty dollars to $120,000, and it sold for $165,000. That's really crazy because I believe this car was a no-sale at our Auburn auction. And here, people went nuts for it. So, you know, if you listen to me for any length of amount of time, you know that I'm saying there's a big generational shift going on out there. Cars from the 50s and 40s just aren't selling right now. There are a few exceptions, and this Brome was beautiful in great colors, rare, and super special. It had suicide doors, which is really cool on a four-door car. The next one that blew me away was a 1965 Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud Drophead Coupe. So this is a four-seater, two-door convertible, beautiful Rolls-Royce. I think the estimate was a little low on this. The estimate was $200,000 to $250,000. Probably could have added fifty grand to each end of those. And this one sold for four hundred five, dollars so over double low estimate. And honestly, I think people thought they might have been able to get a deal on this car, and it just kind of stirred up a frenzy in the auction there. It was pretty interesting because I was asked to come up from bid spotting to man one of the phones because we had so many phone bidders that there weren't enough people to manage it. I think we had about 15 phone bidders. Now, the last one that really blew me away was the 1990 Mercedes 560 station wagon conversion. So this is a one of one that was built. Estimate was thirty dollars to $40,000. Now, this one, we didn't have 15 people bidding on it, but we had two people that had to have it, and they just continued to go on until it hammered at $100,000. So over triple low estimate, just a crazy result on a four-door wagon. That kind of speaks a little bit to the trends we're seeing out there. And I appreciate you joining me for this brief recap of Arizona Auction Week. And now let's join the guys from the Auto Car Club. Hey, it's Greg Stanley with the Collector Car Podcast. Have a fun uh, off-site episode this week at the Auto Car Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. Glad to have Eli Kogan and Sam Bierenbaum on. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Good. I know it's 
hard to pronounce our funny Jewish names. Doing well. <laughs> Tired. Well, you're actually good. the first time I've had two people on the podcast at the same time. Huh? Oh, no good. way. Now, by the time this posts, I will have already had another one. But for the record, you're the very first. First recording. Yeah, and my first off-site recording. So thank you for having oh, cool. me on your podcast. Absolutely. Sure. Kind of doing a two-for-one while we're on site here. So It's nice to have people in person. It is. It's, You're our second in-person recording. Every single podcast we've done has been phone calls. Yeah. I feel very yeah. special. And we yeah. are following COVID protocols. Yes. We're at yeah. least six feet away from each other. And we're wearing masks. And we're wearing masks, kind of. So, yeah. So, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. This is just an insane, the Auto Car Club in Scottsdale, just an insane facility where Arm Sotheby has conducted their Arizona 2021 sale incredible results check out Eli's podcast to get the results on that and kind of our deep dive into the numbers so Eli just give us an overview my listeners of your setup here what's going on here so we're based in Scottsdale Arizona as you mentioned um, we're a mix between two things first and foremost we're a social club for collectors and secondly we're a storage facility and collection management program and basically what that means is we're kind of a two-part solution for the enthusiast and collector where we provide uh, curated events and gatherings and travel trips and anything kind of in or around the automotive sphere, be it track days, rallies, watch nights, whiskey nights, wine nights, trips to race schools, rally schools, and uh, product introductions, speaker series, anything in and around cars. We, we curate a, a pretty robust social calendar for our members. And then on the automotive kind of management uh, side of things we store manage and maintain the vehicles for our members and that is everything from base level doing dmv paperwork all the way up to managing restorations for people um, and everything in between so service transport track prep uh, modification sales acquisitions you name it so do you have a small apartment i can move into you know, I actually, um, for a long time, considered just putting a trailer in the back and sleeping here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> because it it's it's like the ultimate man cave. It is a beautiful facility. And Thank if you. you'd like to see the pictures, just go to my Instagram feed at the Collector Car Podcast. I mean, on the wall, it's cars stacked three high, you know, on a couple walls here. And, I mean, there's a Carrera GT yellow out there, a lot of Porsches. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of really cool special cars. There's a, a Ferrari La Ferrari out there. I mean, there's one of the Maseratis. The, MC12. Uh, MC12. I mean, yeah. that's a very rare special car. Yeah. So it's really cool just to see your facility here. And it worked fantastically yesterday when we had the auction. Couldn't have asked for a better facility. So I really appreciate you hosting us. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's fun to have you guys here. I kind of, I said the word man cave and I don't like that word. To me, this is kind of the anti-man cave. No, uh, no fake gas pumps, no one neon sign. Yeah. <laughs> I made an exception. Our friend made us a, a funny neon sign that says need money for F40. But other than that, we kind of went for the industrial modern look and we let the cars speak for themselves. Yes. And you have some great cars. I don't know if they're always here, but we're on the second floor and I'm looking at a nice little alpha here. What is that? This is a 66 uh, GTV and we just acquired this like a week ago and I'm very new to the alpha world. So I can't speak very much on this car. I believe it's a 1600. Um, yes. Yeah. I believe so too. Uh, Super Veloce. Yeah. Five speed. Um, it's like I'm also colorblind, so I think it's it like looks a, like a Meisen blue. If you know a Porsche Meisen blue, it's a pretty gorgeous similar color to with yeah. tan interior. I mean, that's what really caught my attention. And yeah. then it's surrounded by hardwood floors and hardwood walls. And so far, it hasn't dripped anything on them either. Yeah. So we're very happy about that. I, I wanted it to feel like you were <laughs> sitting in your living room up here, but with cars in your living room. I like that. So, you know, the idea for me was. 
if we built a facility with an Ikea couch and a coffee machine, nobody's going to want to spend any time here. If you build a facility that's on par or above kind of what you'd expect in, in someone's home that might have one of these collections, they're going to want to spend time here. Yep. And it's every enthusiast's dream to be able to roll their car in their living room. So we're sat on the second floor. <laughs> we've actually got a car elevator that brings the cars up, and we've got two motorcycles, a, an Alpha GTV, and a race simulator behind us. So we like to have fun up here. Well, and there was like a speedster in the kitchen. Well, actually, not the kitchen, but the office yeah, the space. Right. Yeah, so that was a beautiful speedster down there as yeah. well. So it is a place that if you like cars, you just don't want to leave. Unfortunately, I have to leave and head back home here shortly, which makes me very sad. Yeah, back to the uh, cold weather. Don't rub it in. All right. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to know is like, where did this passion for cars for both of you guys, where did it come from? Like, you know, I was awestruck by a 66 Mustang when I was like 13 in my, you know, driveway. Right. That kind of caught my eye. What was kind of the moment for both of you guys that you were like, wow, that's something cool, something mm. special. I need to look at it more. You want to go ahead? Eli? Sure. Why not? Um, I'll answer after. I think for me, I've always had a passion for what I would call individual sports mixed with speed. So I grew up on dirt bikes and motorcycles. I, in another life, actually for 15 years, was a competitive equestrian. I was a wrestler, um, snowboarding. You look wiry. Yeah, yeah, small <laughs> small, and, you know, used Scrap to be it. stronger. Scrap it. Um, a <laughs> lot of wrestling in my family. So I always liked things that you could experience by yourself. So you went into tag? No, okay. no, yeah, yeah, just leave me alone. <laughs> I would, I would uh, let everyone else play tag. But um, <laughs> the first automotive memory I have was – we were living in New Jersey and my dad had a Porsche at the time. I think it was a 993 and it was a cab and it had to go in for service. And it was, I don't know, 20, 30 minute drive to the, uh, to the dealership. And we got on the highway and he turned to me and said, do you want to feel what a hundred miles an hour feels like? Wow. And of course I said, yes. And I will never forget that sensation of speed. And that's what did it for me. And to be honest, my early life, I always loved cars, but I wasn't obsessed with cars. And it was when I got my license at 16, where it was this newfound sense of freedom. And I, I just, I went, you know, head over heels and up to my neck in cars. Yeah. The sense of freedom is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know if the kids today are getting that, you yeah. know, you hear, keep on hearing how there's not as many drivers out there. They just there. Uber. They just Uber. Yeah. And I guess there is a sense of freedom. Not really. I mean, you got to jump in there and just. You get an iPhone at 13 years old and you Uber. <laughs> and you Uber. Why right. do you need a car? Yeah. I know kids these days who uh, don't get their license. They just don't care. They don't care. They don't even do it. That's blasphemy to me. I know. I'm right there Heresy. with you. Sam, right. what about you? Yeah. Um, for me, let's see here. I grew up in New York um, for most of all of my life. When I was really young, I remember I wanted, I was obsessed with trains, anything with wheels, planes, trains, cars, automobiles. And I said to my dad, I need to be in the front car of the New York City subway every time I rode the train. So I had to look out the front. I had to pretend like I was the driver. My mom, she worked for Mercedes-Benz North America. She did marketing for them. And she would bring me to bring your kid to work day every wow. quarter. And I remember there was one, the first time I went, there was a McLaren Mercedes SLR in the lobby. Mm. And I sat in it, and I was probably in first grade. And I was like, for the first time, this is cool. And from that point on, it was solidified. She was bringing home AMG press cars. So every weekend there was, you know, the CLS, SL. I got rides in them. And she got it from her two brothers. So my late Uncle Scott 
was huge into cars. And um, I'll never forget, he had one of her press cars, sorry, Mercedes, in the pouring rain on the Sprain Highway, and we're doing about a buck fifty in the CLS 55. Wow. And I'm like in second grade, and I was pooping my pants, but I was having a blast. And then from there, it's like I had to work with cars. I've been working with cars since I was in... I mean, I started valet parking. I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, and then I worked at another storage facility in New York. And then it just kind of, I looked after a private collection and I just, I've always had a passion for it. I started a car show when I was in high school with one of my, my buddies, Sam, who was also named Sam. Um, it's just been in my blood, sort of. My mom's side of the family, they're the car people. You know, they've had some dealerships out in Minnesota. That's where she's from. So, um, for me, it was like I had to, because my parents drove nothing too crazy, like, you know, station wagons and this and that, and I had a Mini Cooper growing up, so I had to sort of seek out the Porsches. Speaking and, of wagons, um, it was fun. you guys had an exceptional result on your yeah. coach-built wagon. Sam has a I love wagon wagons. fetish. Yeah, I mean, love he's them. All... I love them. I love the weird cars. I love station wagons. I love that Lancia Delta. Yeah. I grew up driving a hatchback, um, literally like a little rally car. That thing was, I had a... Uh, mini countrymen and I grew up in New York so it was four-wheel drive and a six-speed and my friends would be sliding all over the place on their way to school and they're you know even in their jeeps because when you don't know how to drive you can crash anything and then there's me <laughs> right, right. and then there's me and my little mini like just oversteering through all these back roads in Westchester no problem um I just I think for me it's the thing I love about cars I found at an early age, it's like it's the one thing left in the world where the driver and the machine are one and you have full control. Yep. Obviously now with traction control and whatever, but your inputs are directly correlated to the car's outputs. It's what I wrote my college essay on. Thank you, Boston University, for accepting <laughs> me five years ago. But um Yeah, that's why that's I just love it, you know. Now I'm more getting into the mechanical side of things and I've learned so much every day here working. Right. Like you wouldn't even believe oh, I can't the imagine. amount of knowledge yeah. I just gained. And then when I was a kid, reading car magazines and YouTube videos, Chris Harris, Top Gear, right. all that good stuff. So That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. And yeah. station wagons are pretty hot. You know, oh, yeah. They're definitely increasing in value. So yeah. if you find a nice one, get it I, now. My dad just got one. I found him like a 2011 Mercedes E350, nothing too crazy. and But it was an ex-NFL player Hall of Famer's mother's car. So she put... <laughs> 10,000 miles on it, and there was literally nothing wrong with it. Now the air suspension's obviously shot, but that's a different story. <laughs> but the car is mint. It's perfect, and it's the three-row wagon. And, like, I grew up in a sitting in the third there row no looking out the row, back. Three no, the wagon. I was about to say, get yeah. the Dodge. Sticking my middle finger up to people out the back window. It's like, that's the best. Right, like, right. It's the greatest. There's no third row, but, you know, get your Dodge Magnum, right, you know, yeah. All right. SRTs right now while yeah. you can. It's funny, I had... CTSV wagon. CTSV, those Tesla are Tesla Model those X. Those are awesome. You can get a third row yeah. facing in the back. Low key. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, a couple episodes ago, I had our global specialist, Gord Duff, on, and yeah. he knows everything about every car. You know, he's just a brilliant mind when it comes to cars. Cool. And I asked him my typical questions, and he was right there with the answers. The one question that stumped him, at least for a little while, mm -hmm. was... I, actually, I'll ask both of you this. Sure. Now, if that's okay. What would you buy for under 30 grand? So much. And ironically, right. so cars. well, it's easy for you guys. You know, Gord's, he's surrounded by million dollar cars every right. day. So yeah, yeah. it stumped him, but then he came up with, he wanted a station wagon with a third row seat. Yeah. I'll tell you, E55 wagon. Yeah, right there. there Early. You go. There you go. Yep. Okay. 
That's a great car. That's probably my pick. Um, E36 M3. Yeah. Great car, sub 30 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Supercharged John Cooper Works, the first edition Mini, which are And I'm a big Chevy truck guy now. Mm -hmm. I love Chevy trucks. And you can get a phenomenal truck for under 30. From, call it the 66 to 72 range, sub 30 grand. Mm -hmm. Right. For now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. I mean, you see the the K five Blazers are going through oh, the roof. Oh, yeah, it's insane! You know the the trucks will follow. I find yeah. like an E thirty three twenty five IS or honestly all Vila's answers I completely agree with early AMG wagons. Yeah, it's like what else do you need? What would you buy under you know? thirty grand? Yeah, what what's your pick? Oh come on, guys! <laughs> I'm the interviewer, not the interviewee. Oh. There's so many good cars though. WRXs we spoke about. That yeah, earlier. WRX would be on my list for sure. Bug yeah. eye. You know, cool. You know, people. I don't know if I could get it for thirty. Yeah. Um, Mopars are so incredibly soft right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. One car, I a just, lot of horsepower for the money. Yeah, actually, I can't get it unless it's let's let's call it a a, a Mopar with needs. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd get a seventy AA Arcuda. Yeah. Because yeah. they've been cool they've car. been down for like a year and a half, two years now, right. and they've bottomed out. Right. Uh, the thing that hurts them is the you know million plus. You know, one of 14 convertible, 426 convertibles, they right. took a big hit. Right. And so I'm just like, man, these things have got to be going back up again here soon. So pulling up, what photo, what color would you have? Because I'm looking at photos right now and they're oh, like pink. Oh, geez, and I'd green. have to have one of the they're crazy, really crazy looking sublime green, maybe. Look at the pink, they almost made a ruby stone yeah, one. Yeah, cool. they got that's a cool. pink. I actually saw a black on black on black where even the that's hockey cool. stripe was black from the factory. Okay, that's, that's pretty which cool. Which is pretty, pretty crazy. Cool. So the black on black effect is, is huge. I mean, you guys sold, um, I can't remember what model it was, but it was like an AMG wagon a few years ago in that one sale where all those cars came from the collection in the warehouse. Oh, the Young Timers The Young Timers oh, collection. Yeah. That's, that's those are all the coolest cars And that wagon did like 300 grand. Yeah. No, a it big, was a early AMG, like yeah. a 300T. I'm not a big black car fan. I hate to say it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, tough to clean. Tough to clean, you know. So there's certain cars I definitely want in black. So. Yeah, sure, sure. All right, well, let me ask you this, guys. Tell us a little bit about what's in your garage. What kind of stuff do you drive on a daily basis? Uh, I have a quick and easy answer. Nothing. I don't own one car. Not even a Mini Cooper? Nothing anymore. Totaled that two summers ago. Wow. He's got Rear-ended a- someone at 10 miles an hour. I have a, I have a Volkswagen Jetta. Okay. I have a company Mini car. car. Yeah. I don't own one single car. I have the pleasure of driving All everything, the cars. everything <laughs> in here. You know, yeah. it's like... I don't feel bad for you then. No, no, no. Don't. Don't pity me. <laughs> but um, I've been rocking around. Eli's been nice enough. I drive his 78 SC, which is cashmere beige. It's on carburetors now, right? That's got a cool um, story. That's a, that's a great car. Yeah, great I see you zipping around outside. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That, I've been driving that for the past month almost. That's I'll, try and, I'll try and sum that up in a few sentences. Yeah. But car was found by a friend of mine in a garage in Newport Beach from a little old lady. Original paint, cashmere beige over cork with corduroy inserts. Oh, I got to see this. Yeah. Yeah, you got to go check it out. And it went through three of my friend's hands before I finally said, I want that. As I was buying the car, I then learned it was a European delivery car. Mm -hmm. And when it came back to the United States, it was delivered one mile from my house in Phoenix. Really? Yeah. Yeah, It's been in Arizona pretty much its whole life. Arizona, California. Funky car. Yeah. Um, It's a great car. Awesome car. All right, Eli. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna limit it to a Do few. You have no cars, too. No, I have cars. <laughs> I, I have car. I, if I have any addiction in the world, it's it's cars. Well, we know about the Alpha. We know about the speeds. Yeah. Though, right. And and actually, most people don't realize I'm a motorcycle guy more than a car guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I'll, I'll just name two of my highlight bikes. Right behind us is a uh, Ducati 996R, which was a homologation bike for World Superbike in 2001. And back when those were new, they were supposed to make 500 of them. And I think about half were supposed to come to the United States. What happened was you had to have an AMA race license to order one of those. So I think something like only 25 of them came to the United States because they were delivered without headlights, taillights, whatever. They'd come in on a bill of sale, an MCO, and you'd take it to the parts department. you say, give me headlights, taillights, and you'd go register it. But um, I think only 25 came to the U.S. That's one of them. Um, my friend's father bought it new, and he called me a few years ago and said, I might have this, I have this old Ducati in my garage. You might want it. And I get phone calls like that all the time. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, what do I want a five-year-old monster for? Right. And, uh, it was like a Monday morning and he's like, yeah, I got this old Ducati. I'm like, oh, come look on Friday. And he goes, yeah, well, it's a 996. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He goes, it's an R. And I'm like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> and that came home with me. Um, and then on the car side, my favorite car, my, my dead man's car, you know, which is you'll, someone will get it someday when I die <laughs> is, um, is my speedster 56 speedster yep. restored by Emery polo motor, 185 horsepower, just absolute blast to drive. Very fun car. Yep. We've got a matching, um, Emery coupe that he restored for us. Uh, one of his special cars. So it has a little more body touches, metal work and uh, higher horsepower, 265 horsepower wow. fuel injected motor. Um, but lately it's trucks. I really, really, really like old Chevy trucks and I have two that are my favorite. So I'll, I'll keep it to those. One is a 66 C10. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of seafoam green color. Oh yeah. Great color. Um, original paint, original interior, original wood in the bed and like two owners when I got it. Wow. And I saw it on Craigslist and I thought to myself, there's no way. And I went and saw it and came home with it. And it's got the big back window. It was factory air truck. It was a V8 truck. It had every kind of luxury option, and you could tell that somebody bought it as their weekend driver. So, right. you know, when I got it, it had like 70,000 miles on it, and it was just perfect. That's my favorite. Um, and then this is a weird one. Uh, coming up on a year ago, I got a phone call uh, about a truck that it was one of those phone calls where you have like 30 seconds to decide whether whether or not you want a car. <laughs> And it was the original Vasek Polak dealership race transporter. Really? Yeah. So it's a 1970 C10 pickup. There's different designations. There was a C10, C20, and C30. Right. The C30 was basically sold as a cab and chassis that people would later customize for farm equipment or RVs or whatever they used them for. But it was the heavy-duty dual rear-wheel truck. Um, this particular one from new was purchased by Vasek Polak dealership, by Vasek himself. And turned into a race transporter. So the chassis was extended. And the back of it where a bed would be was basically a wedge shape. So ramps would slide out of the rear and they'd roll cars up onto it. And that transporter had carried everything from 917s in the Can-Am series to 904s to 908s. It carried the 805, uh, you know, the Porsche 805 race car. I mean, it, it had everything on it during its period. And it remained with Vasek from 70 to 98 to the day he died. Mm. He then sold it in 98, I hate saying this, for $2,500 <laughs> wow. to a guy in Berkeley. He kept it from 98 to 2020, and that's when I got it. And we're now doing kind of a deep historical dive into the truck. 
Um, we're halfway through a major restoration on it, and we're kind of collecting a huge uh, amalgamation of Vosek history. So we just acquired the Vosek photo and document archive from the dealership, and we're kind of going through and building a history around this truck. And probably by the fall, it'll be at the racetrack. So. So you need to buy a 917. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Right, and put it, you know, recreate those period photos. Yep. I wish. I wish. We'll just borrow one. <laughs> What's a 917 today? 20 million bucks? Uh, last public one, I think it was 14. Yeah. But that was years ago. Know, that yeah. was, yeah, a few, I think 17. So. Jeez. Yeah, they're up there for sure. So. Yeah. All right, well, the next question is a tough one. What is on your wish list? Like, what's the next? Mm. What are you pursuing anything? Hmm. <clears throat> I am pursuing a couple things. I won't tell you because then I'll jinx it. But I would tell you one that I'm not pursuing that I would love to own someday. Two of them. A Carrera GT, yep. which we mentioned we love, and an F40. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't peg me as a Ferrari guy, and I'm not. But hands down, I'd own an F40 someday if I could. It's just a fancy Alpha. Eh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> eh. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far, but these days, yes, Ferraris are fancy alphas in in current day. Right, right. Yeah. Sam, um, I think I, you know, I try to stay realistic about what I could attain in the near future. I think I like, I would love a Lancia Delta. I mean, I would love that. Um, I would love a Z3 M Coupe. Really? Yeah, I would love an E36 M3, a clean one. Um, I would love a 964. You know, something sunroof delete. Yeah. Yesterday I had one of the greatest drives of my life. We have a friend who works around the corner. He has a warehouse, and he let us keep some of our members' cars over there. And I had Eli's 92. Yeah. 92, slate gray metallic, sunroof delete, Japanese import, mm. 964. And I get to drive it because there's a private airport right here, and there's a jetway right behind his warehouse. And it kind of – I've always loved 964s. I've had a bunch of miles in them, but this time I really was ripping this thing. And it just completely <laughs> solidified – my, you know, everything I already thought just made it, turn it up to level 11. And I drove back in here and Eli's like, are you freaking high or something? I'm like, I'm just so happy. Like, <laughs> this car is amazing. I mean, it was fun. So that's definitely on the list. Um, there are cars that do get you, you know, high. 65 love, Fastback. Yeah, like For my fun. first drive in a 65 Fastback, yeah. one of our members has a 65 Fastback with a, what is it, 391 Windsor is the designation. Well, 289 was 65 factory. Right. 351s but it's, came out in three, 69. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 351. So it's modified. Yep. It's got a five-speed. It's got a big locker rear end. And we took it for a drive, and we're pulling out of the driveway, and he says, you know, this is an old car, as you know. I know you're around old cars a lot. You really got to drive it like an old car and really take care of this. And he's kind of playing it down, and he throws it in first gear and drops the clutch and goes sideways out of our entryway, leaves 90 feet of rubber to the first stop sign, <laughs> and then just continues to do so all the way around the air park. And I then got to do the same thing. I think I was high after that. Yeah, drive. it's those types of drives where just, like, pedal to the metal, yeah. limit of grip, like – you know, yeah. you're not thinking about anything else in the world besides the car, yeah. what's in front of you, and just all the sensations. And that's that to me is the best. So yeah, those are my cars. I like Ferraris more than Eli does. Eli doesn't like them, but um, <laughs> like I, w I would personally, I I love a manual 430. I think those are unbelievable because that car, it's like you have a transmission that will never outdate itself because yep. a manual's a manual, and then you put it in a package that's somewhat modern feeling. Um, I think that's a fantastic car. Uh, I like driver's cars. I think we all do, you yeah. know, manual transmission, no nannies, just you and the road and the vehicle. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
Well, before I get to my little game, which apparently you know a little bit about, Keep Cash and Crush, yeah. uh, what is next for the Auto Car Club? Good question. Um, we are always expanding our realm of services. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we look to bring in in-house service, um, kind of both for timing control as well as quality quality control. Um, we get a lot of cars that need, you know, things that are a half a day fix. Yeah. And we're often at the mercy of vendors waiting for timelines and parts mm-hmm. and text that we like. And, you know, it's hard to get things done on a timely manner in, in ways that we like. So in-house service department, we're actively looking to pursue that. Um, and I think, honestly, a lot more collaboration between us and Arm Sotheby's is, is on the road ahead. We right. enjoyed working with you guys and we've been having some talks with your team and I think we're, uh, we're going to have some fun in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the club? Uh, our website, auto O T T O car uh, is, is probably the, where you can learn the most about the club. And then we're Instagram very active too. on Instagram. Same thing. Auto car club, O T T O C A R C L U B. We post a lot about kind of daily operations here, the fun cars we get to drive a little bit about some of our members when they want to share. And, and there's some there's some good uh, eye candy there. So where does the name come from? Good question. Because yesterday when I said it, I said, you know, what's your phone number? I said, yeah. what's your last name, Otto? Yeah. Like, no, it's not Otto. A lot of people think I'm named Otto, which is, it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Is the owner's name Otto? Yeah. Yeah, whatever Eli Otto. <laughs> I get sure. called Otto all the time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but where it came from was when we sat down to do the branding exercise here, we threw like 200 names on a board. But every name we threw on there had some sort of basis behind it. And the reason Otto made it on the board was the inventor of the combustion engine was Nicholas August Otto, who's a German engineer. Mm. And I liked it because it was a, uh, I'm Blake, it's the same forward as it is backwards. Right. So right. you put yep. it on a window sticker, it looks the same. Race car. It kind of looks like a car with two headlights, the way the word is. Yeah. yeah. Looks like it's a Jeep. simple. Um, and it's a play on A-U-T-O, yep. Auto. So we picked it for those reasons. We liked the way it looked on branding, but one of the interesting parts about it was it's kind of an homage to his history and him, you know, being the father of our passion here. But a long while after we picked the name, yeah, this is I'm doing a deeper dive into his history and later found out, and this is after we'd put the website up, picked the name, done everything. Nicholas August Otto and I were born on the same day. Really? Yeah. It was meant to be. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode where I, I should have known the answer to that because I actually have them in my research notes. Oh, as awesome. I am doing two episodes on automotive first. Right. Hmm. So everything from the first combustible engine. Right. The first V8. Right. The cool. first sunroof. You know, and I may have bought off more than I can chew. Right. Because there's a lot of firsts. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, he's actually in my notes. Awesome. So that's a nice little connection there. I like that's it. That's really cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, let's get to Keep Cash and Crush. So this is my little painful game. I don't I like know that it'll be game. that painful today. I wasn't expecting two people I have to do this with. I like this game. So I'm I give you three this. cars. You have to pick one to keep forever. Oh, nice. One to cash in, and then one you have to send to the crusher. Okay. I like All how right. you're giving us the cars. So we don't I'm giving you the cars. Yes. All right. So this is going to be – I'm going to mention cars. We have the results here from yesterday. Yeah. So – Let's see, how should I do this? All right, so Eli. Yes. Yours are going to be my three biggest surprises. Okay, I'm going to write them down. The 57 Cadillac Brome. Is that the Eldorado? The Eldorado Brome, yeah. yep. The 65 Rolls-Royce convertible that went nuts. Yep. And then 
1990 Mercedes wagon. So which one of those Ooh. would you keep forever? Which one would you cash in? And which one would you send to the crusher? Wow. Okay, that's a hard one. I'm going to cash the rolls. Okay. I'm going to keep the Eldorado. Really? And I'm going to crush that wagon. All right, give us the logic behind that. I have no use and no desire for the rolls. I would much <laughs> rather have the 400 grand. Sure. Um, and use that to buy some more cars. A race car. I have no interest in the wagon whatsoever. So putting that in the crusher pile, it's less valuable than the rolls. Yep. And the roof on that Cadillac was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The exposed, brushed, stainless yeah. steel. That was really cool. That was I'm, like Rolls Royce. I think that is so cool that I would not be surprised if in one of my future, near future truck builds, that makes an appearance. Oh, awesome. I well, think that is so cool. What most people don't know about those bromes is, and this one did not have it, unfortunately, but originally they came with shot glasses, like crystal, a crystal set wow. for the back seat, like a little silver tray, cool. yeah. all sorts of stuff. So. Yeah. Well, I should have made it harder on you. I almost was going to do a deep dive into Porsches, but I thought, ah, that's too predictable. Let me go with some of the results. That's a good, yeah. Porsche, crushing a Porsche would be a hard one for me. Yeah. I did get Dan Davis owns the Brumos collection. Yeah. I did get him to crush an air-cooled Porsche. Which really? three cars did you give him? I can't remember. Okay. But it was a 964 that cool. he crushed. Really? All right. So Must you have, have to go back and listen. 964 has long been the bastard child. It's a great car. I mean, people didn't care about them. 996s. Well, 996s yeah. for sure, but I mean of the air-cooled round. Oh, gotcha. Like people did not like 964s for a very long time. Yeah. There was a time where you could pick up a mint 964 for 10 grand. Right. Yep. Yeah. Good luck with that today. Yeah. All right, Doesn't Sam, happen. yours, I hope, is All a right. little, uh, little harder on you. This is going to be the homologation cars. Oh, oh nice. Oh. Yeah, this is going to be very hard on me. Yeah, so the 1995 Lancia Delta that you said is a car that's on your wish list, it right? Is. So I, I feel like good about that, that, and that's that beautiful blue color. The 1990 Mercedes 190E. No, wait, scratch that one. That's too easy. We're not okay. going to do that one. So Lancia is number one. Lancia, number two, is the 1990 BMW M3 Sport Evo. Okay. The number three is not techni technically a homologation car, but I'm going to throw in that 560 oh, SEC AMG. Okay. That was my favorite car. The Lancia option. E30 really? besides the, the 560. Yeah. Keep, crush, and sell. Keep, cash, and crush. Keep, cash, and crush. I, I figured the 190 would be too easy to Probably going to cash the M3. Okay. Um, 190K? Okay. Yeah. Just because I feel like I don't need the Evo to get the E30 M3 experience, and also you know, sell it for 190, 200 grand. Like that's good cash in your pocket. So this is really interesting. The two cars you left, cause you're going to have to crush. Right. And I know one of the cars, crush. Is, one of the cars that's on your wish list. Yeah. Yeah. Now Eli knows what you're going to crush. Are you going to crush? You're going to crush my I dreams. I think I'm going to crush the AMG just yeah. because oh. that particular one, I just don't think I would get in it all the time. Like I, I think that's kind of car. If I drove it for a few drives, you know, I would, you're crushing I would, your, Get a little bored of it. Car. I might have just disowned yeah, it's, you. Yeah, it's all right, you know. Okay. It happens. But um, <laughs> I, I think the 560 SEC, while it looks awesome, I don't think I could see myself getting into that thing every day or however often I would drive it if I owned it and just be like, wow, like I'm having a great time. The Lancia I drove here with uh, the vehicle specialist Barney, and I went around the block, and it was fantastic because – these little cars with a little bit of power and a manual transmission, I can just tap into the fun right away, you know, right when I pull out of this driveway. Right. The 560, I'm kind of moping around. I got to find a highway. It's heavy. And personally, it's like I 
you know, and care to disagree, and that's totally fine. But just because a car looks a certain way doesn't mean I'm going to end up keeping it and buying it and loving it, you know? It has Oof. to be – a car can be butt ugly but still drive unbelievably. Right. Look at 996s. I love 996s. I think a 996 GT3 is one of the best driving GT3s. I think they're unbelievable because they're that crazy missing link. On that list, I'm going to keep the 560. I'm going to cash the E30, and I'm going to crush Sam. Now, fine, is, that, is that really what you want to do, or are you fine, just fine. a little payback? No. I'm going to crush Sam. Yeah, we do it all the time. I love so, the SEC. The only car in my garage right now is a 996. Yeah. And I'm going to make a T-shirt that has you know, a drawing of the 996 from the front. Yeah. Instead of headlights, it's going to have eggs. Fried two eggs. eggs. Yeah. And underneath, it's going to say, embrace the egg. I like Fine. That. I like and that. embrace right. it. They're great cars. Right. They're no fun. one ever complained about the driving experience, right? No. Right. No. They're right. very, very fun. 996 GT3 is an amazing car. Yeah. And it's like 20 grand discount for ugly headlights. Yeah. So. Who cares? And ugly schmugly. Ugly schmugly, right. Yeah. It's all subjective. It's all subjective, right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, something else that's cool is you actually picked the one you decided to keep is actually the cheapest one on the list. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You know what yeah. they say? Beauty is in the eye of the egg. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time today, yeah, guys. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Everybody, be sure to check you out on Instagram. Sure. See what's going on in the shop. Absolutely. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks can't wait to listen us. to this. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.